may be aware of, I'm sure you're aware of it, but you probably didn't really know the name of it or what it's called. But everyone is familiar with the principle of it. And guess what? Pastor Swansea's coming out of Kings this morning. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. There was a brief moment in history, in the history of the human world, when dichotomies did not exist. The dichotomies of good and evil, true and false, real and unreal, temporal and eternal, life and death, were not a part of human reality. However, these dichotomies and a wealth of others did come into existence when the first created human challenged the sovereignty of God. God presented the first human with two mutually exclusive motives, the choice to eat or do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which was the first dichotomy. The human chose to eat, and from that point, that point, Heretofore, humankind has been forced to succumb to what is called the law of excluded middle. The law of excluded middle. It is a metaphysical law identified as such by the Greek philosopher Aristotle. However, it existed long before he identified it. Excluded middle means there is no middle ground. Something is either true or false. It is either good or evil. It is either temporal or eternal. It is either alive or dead, and there is nothing in the middle. The excluded middle is an inextricable principle, meaning it is impossible to escape. It is inextricable. You cannot escape it. Now, many have tried, many have tried to escape the excluded middle with the concept of a gray area. However, the so-called gray area is still not in the middle because in theory it actually creates another dichotomy. Here's why. The gray area in relation to good is not good. But the gray area in relation to evil is not evil. Thus, within the gray area lies an inherent dichotomy. Because if the gray area is neither good nor evil, then the gray area is in opposition to both. And there is still nothing in the middle. Did you get that? But this is theoretical, not actual because it is impossible for one to be in the middle. One is either in favor of an opposing view or the other. As I said before, the excluded middle is an inextricable fact. There is no escaping it. Now let's prove it, Pastor, with some scripture. Matthew 6.24. Matthew 6.24. Jesus says it very clearly very precisely, and very succinctly. No man can serve two masters. For either, 
he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon, because there's nothing in the middle. Jesus says, if you are not for me, then you are against me, and there's nothing in the middle. We can see clearly the law of excluded middle, because Jesus says it is either or, doesn't he? He says either, he says either, either he will hate the other one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one. So it's either or. He makes reference now. He says there's, one cannot simultaneously embrace two opposing ideologies. You cannot do that. And then he makes reference to the one true God versus mammon. Mammon is the God of materialism. God, Mammon is the God of materialism. And Jesus says there's no gray area because to love one is to hate the other and vice versa. It is either one or the other. One cannot say they love God and then simultaneously be a humanistic materialist. Humanistic means they're concerned with the things that concern the physical human body, things that satisfy the flesh, things that gratify the flesh. And materialism is just that, being concerned with having stuff. And so Jesus says you can't be serving me and be a humanistic materialism and materialist at the same time. Making sense to you thus far. Now, in this present day, the religious communities, many are which are under the delusion that they serve God. However, they are actually humanistic materialists. They serve, listen, they serve the elusive God of materialism. This God is elusive because he is hard to lay hold of and keep. Many will even lie cheat, and steal to win his favor. But the God of materialism is elusive, and no matter what one does to win his favor, he will not make them feel safe and secure. As a matter of fact, this God of materialism makes those who worship him extremely insecure. Why? Because they fear that at any time, Without warning, he might desert them and leave them penniless. And very often, that's exactly what he does. So the God of materialism really is a dead God. And there, he is of no eternal value. So Jesus makes it very clear that mammon is the dichotomy of the living God, Christ Jesus. Got that? Now, you've heard me say it before, times change, people don't. Times change, people don't. Go to Kings, 1 Kings. No, actually, go to 2 Kings. Go to 2 Kings 9.35. Don't read it yet, just put your hand there. During the time of Elijah, you've all heard of Elijah, right? The children of Israel were doing what they did very often. They worshipped gods that represented their humanistic and materialistic desires and values, which is why, clearly, Jesus says, ye cannot serve God and mammon. The Israelites now vacillated between serving the God of Abraham and serving Baal, B-A-A-L, the God of Jezebel. Ever heard of Jezebel? 
Jezebel was the evil, wicked, lascivious, and extremely influential wife of King Ahab. Did you get that? She was evil, wicked, lascivious, and extremely influential. She was the wife of King Ahab. Let, let, me, let me tell you about Jezebel. Let me give you a picture of Jezebel. Jezebel was like a combination of Madonna, Rihanna, Beyonce, Nicki Minaj, and Oprah in a body of flesh. Jezebel was shameless, immoral, and sacrilegious. Did you get that? I'll say it again just in case you weren't listening. Jezebel was, was like a combination of Madonna, Rihanna, Beyonce, Nicki Minaj, and Oprah in a body of flesh. Jezebel was shameless, immoral, and sacrilegious. And what she did was she introduced the Phoenician deity Baal to the Hebrews at Samaria. And her goal was to now fuse the Israelites, the Jews, and the Phoenicians into a single people that would worship Baal. She persecuted the prophets of the Lord and had many of them killed. Follow me so far. Now, it's interesting to note that through the prophet Elijah, the Lord prophesied to Ahab that the dogs would eat Jezebel's flesh and there would be nothing left to bury. And this is exactly what happened. Some eunuchs pushed Jezebel from a second-story window. And when she hit the ground, a passing chariot came and drug her. And when the chariot was finished dragging her, the dogs came and ate her body. 2 Kings 9.35. 2 Kings 9.35. And when they went to bury her, but they found no more of her than the skull, the feet, and the palms of her hands. <laughs> the dogs ate her up. Listen to what one writer says, though. One writer says, Jezebel's skull, hands, and feet remained because in her festal dances to Baal, she would dance on her hands and feet like a dog and wantonly gyrate her head. <laughs> she was sexually immoral and politically influential in society. Now, go to 1 Kings 18, 19. You getting this? However, now, before Jezebel's violent demise, she successfully influenced the Hebrew culture to the extent that they worshipped and made human sacrifices to Baal and rejected the God of Abraham. So in 1 Kings 18, 19, through the instruction of the Lord, Elijah says to the king Ahab, Now, therefore sin and gather to me all Israel, unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. So what we see here then is that there were 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of the grove. The grove, listen, the grove was Jezebel's personal entourage. It was 400 people that lived in her house. She had a, she had a temple and an altar in her house to Venus. And they worshiped the goddess of love. They lived in her house and ate at her table. Verse 20. So, Abraham, so Ahab, did, Ahab did as Elijah suggested. Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel 
and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long are ye halt between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. So he may not have been aware of it, but Elijah was making them fully aware of the excluded middle. He says, how long will you be caught between two opinions? In other words, how long will you vacillate? If the Lord be God, then follow him. If Baal be God, then follow him. And the Bible says in the next scripture, and the people answered him not. In other words, they were indifferent. However, because of the excluded middle, their indifference was the choice to serve Baal. Why? Because this is whom they were serving at the time. And had they, not been, had they been serving God, Elijah would, have not, would not have asked them the question. So they vacillated. They went back and forth between serving the God of Abraham and the God of Jezebel. So, by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, because we know what the Holy Ghost does, although it was the Spirit of the Lord to Elijah, he challenged them to a test, to test the authenticity and the genuineness of the God of Abraham versus the authenticity and the genuineness of Baal. Elijah says, I am only one prophet of the Lord, and Baal has 450. So here's what we're going to do. Take two bullocks, give one to the prophets of Baal, and give one to me. Then we're both going to cut up the bullocks and lay them on the altar and put no fire under them. Then in verse 24, he says, and call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people said, right on, Elijah, right on. <laughs> it is well spoken. Like the humanistic materialists of today, the people wanted a sign. You remember that? Right on. So in verse 26b now, they called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked him and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is talking or he's pursuing. In other words, he's busy or he's in a journey. Or perhaps he's asleep and you need to wake him up. <laughs> and so they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lances till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass when midday was passed and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. So in an attempt to get Baal to answer them, for almost 12 hours, they were jumping up and down on the altar. They were screaming, and they were cutting themselves. They were trying to catch the Holy Ghost, as they say, huh? They jumped, listen, they jumped not only on the altar they built to Baal, but they jumped on the altar that Elijah built, and they broke both of them down, and they still didn't get an answer. Verse 30c says, Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, which is Israel, 
unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. Verse 32. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. So what we see here is that after he made this trench around the altar, he had them fill it with 12 barrels of water. Verse 36. And it came to pass at that time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that, the, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that these people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Now I want you to notice something. Elijah wasn't jumping up and down. He wasn't screaming at God, was he? And he wasn't cutting on himself. He spoke to, to the Lord in just a natural, normal, confident voice. And the Bible says, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and even the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord. He is the God, not any God, the God, the Lord. He is the God, excuse me, the Lord. He is the God. And they said it twice. The Lord, he is the God. And then the Bible says Elijah had all the prophets of Baal executed and none of them escaped. And we know what happened to Jezebel, right? So after the Lord showed himself, no longer were the Israelites of two opinions. They were now willing to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel because of what they saw him do. Here's the point. There's no benefit to serving mammon. The God of materialism cannot save us from the eternal consequences of sin. The God of materialism cannot heal our sin-sick souls. The God of materialism cannot and will not answer us when we call. The God of materialism cannot ease our troubled minds. The God of materialism cannot give us peace. The God of materialism cannot give us joy. The God of materialism cannot be merciful. He cannot be compassionate. And he certainly cannot be loving. You can jump up and down. You can shout and scream. You can throw up. You can puke. You can cut yourself, you can dip yourself in bleach, and he still is not going to answer. And so many people do all that screaming and hollering at him, and he don't hear them. Oh, but we are not of two opinions. We know that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel is a living God. And it was not too long ago for each of us that we called on the name of the Lord. And how did he answer us? He answered us with the fire of the Holy Ghost. Oh, yes, he did. Answered us with the fire of the Holy Ghost. And just like when the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, when the fire of the Holy Ghost fell on us, he consumed our sins and our iniquities. When the fire of the Holy Ghost fell on us, he gave us life. When the fire of the Holy Ghost fell on us, he gave us peace. When the fire of the Holy Ghost fell on us, he gave us an unspeakable joy. 
When the Holy Ghost fell on us, he freed us from the bondage of sin. When the Holy Ghost fell on us, the righteousness of God cleansed our soul and wiped us and cleansed us for all eternity. Oh, and just like as Elijah had the 450 prophets of Baal executed and none escaped, when the Holy Ghost fell on us, he executed a legion of demons in our soul and none of them escaped. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! And now like the Israelites of God, whom we are, we are no longer of two opinions. We know that the power of God is a consuming fire. And the Bible says when all the people saw it, they fell on their face and they said, The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. And like the Israelites, we are convinced and fully persuaded that the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. Oh, but we know something. We know something that they didn't know. We know that the Lord, he is God, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is the name of the living God. Jesus is the name of our God. Jesus is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Jesus is the God of our salvation. Jesus is the God of hope. Jesus is the God of love. Jesus is the God of mercy. Jesus is the God of compassion. Jesus is the name of the living God. And every time I call on him, he answers me. We are not of two opinions. Mammon is not our savior. Jesus is our savior. Jesus is our redeemer. Jesus is the king of Israel and we are his peculiar people. Jesus is the king of Israel and we are his royal priesthood. Jesus is the king of Israel and we are his holy, holy, holy nation. Hallelujah. 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 We are not of two opinions. We are not of two opinions. Mammon is not our Lord. Jesus is our Lord. He is the God. Jesus is the God who hung on the cross. Jesus is the God who suffered, bled, and died. Jesus is the God who conquered death, hell, and the grave. Jesus is the God who resurrected so that whoever calls on his name shall not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, yes, he is. Oh, yes, he is. Hallelujah. Give him some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Jesus has a word. He has a word for those who are of two opinions. Revelation 3.14. Pastor went from kings to revelation? Revelation 3.14. He has a word for those who are of two opinions. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write, these things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation of God. Let you know who's talking. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, 
I will spew thee out of my mouth. Lukewarm doesn't mean they were indifferent. They were not in the middle. You know why? Because there is no middle. We understand there's no escaping the law of excluded middle. One is either or. As one writer says of the Laodiceans, Laodiceans listen to what he says. He says the Laodiceans, Laodiceans were content with their material wealth and unaware of their spiritual poverty. They were content with their material wealth and unaware of their spiritual poverty. And so like the Israelites of Elijah's day and like the Laodiceans, the religious communities of today are spiritually poor. And you know what? They're unbelievers. They're unbelievers. They are of two opinions. They worship the dead God of humanistic materialism. They are lukewarm. They are a stink in the nostril of God. They're like puke on the ground to him. Oh, but we are not lukewarm. We are not of two opinions. We are not humanistic materialism, materialists. We believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are spiritually rich. The word of God dwells in us richly. We believe in the integrity of his word. We believe in the conformity of his word. We believe in the reality of his word. We have a true relationship with God and his name is Jesus. Jesus is the Lord and Jesus is our Lord. Jesus is the God and Jesus is our God. And we will serve no other God but Jesus. Let's give him some praise. Hallelujah. 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 Glory, 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 glory. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we are not of two opinions. We stand on your word. We believe you. We believe you. We 